uh, reflecting on um, a memory that brought me joy this week, and the memory that came to mind happened uh, a little over 17 years ago, about 17 and a half. Lori and the children had joined me for a week of orientation in Los Angeles. Uh, I was preparing to go on with a group of students to Bangladesh for the first part of a, a summer global urban project. Yeah, Scott was there. He was leading it. This is actually before we started coming to this church. And um, uh, I remember uh, Adele was about to turn one and on the verge of walking. And I just knew that I was going to miss it. I was so afraid that I was going to miss it because she was just about there. You could tell, right? It's our second one, you know, Jake being older. We'd seen it happen with him. And I was deeply sad that this, I just felt like I'm going to miss this. So we're, we're in a group of people. I think it was some staff and a couple students. And for some reason, I felt like I, we were talking about something and I was excited about the trip, but I told them I was sad because I was going to miss this, Adele's first step. And right at that moment, she was holding on. She was standing up, holding on to Lori's hands, walking with her. She let go of Lori's hands and took her first steps towards me. Isn't that cool? It was really beautiful. I remember how I was like shocked that this had happened. Did you understand me, Adele? <laughs> Probably not, you know. Yeah, that's crazy. Lori said she didn't walk again until I came home. And I wasn't gone that long, I think eight days. It was just at the beginning of their month-long five-week trip. Um, and he wanted to come back in order to be with the family. Um, but I remember that. I remember um, reflecting back on that and thinking, and thinking how that just filled me with joy, you know, that memory. So I'm going to do something with you. It's actually a part of the book that we're, we're looking at. I want you to close your eyes right now. Just relax, whatever you need to do. And just recall a memory experience, a time in your life when you experienced joy. Could happen at any time in your life. Could have happened last week, last month, a year ago, when you were a child. And, and I want you to go into that memory, just to, for a short amount of time. See yourself in that memory. Feel the feelings that you had back then, right? Remember, remember what about that memory brought you joy, who you were with, what you were doing, and what happened. You get a picture in your mind? Can you see it? Yeah, do you remember how you felt and what happened back then? When you start to experience a feeling of gratitude, when you start to feel that joy again, just sit in it for a moment and then open your eyes when you're done. You don't have to stay in it for long, just for a minute. How, do you, how did you feel remembering back on that memory? Anyone? What? Cold? Full, okay. Full of... What else? Anyone? How many of you were able to get a memory? How many had something come up? Good, quite a few of you. Yeah, good. Good. What, what, were you alone or with someone? 
Yeah, that's significant. Anyone alone in the memory? This gratitude exercise, it's really simple, right? Easy to do. In fact, in that memory, give it a, give it a name, a short name to remember it from. You know, Adele's first steps are mine, right? It's easy to remember, right? So we'll give it a name of something you remember because you can look back on that again in the future. That's something that really helped you because these memories, you don't just remember them once, you can remember them over and over and over again. And one of the cool things about being with Lori's mom the past couple months is she, she reminisces about the past. A lot of it is about growing up on the farm. But you can tell in all of those memories there's, a, there's joy. She just remembers. She remembers the meals together with the family. She talks about that. When we were on the farm, we, would, we used to eat this for Christmas dinner, you know, or something like that, right? Or, or, or uh, the sleigh rides they used to take when they were kids, when they, you know, they, were, they had horses on the farm. Just things like that. Just keep coming back up, and you can hear that. You can see the joy, and you can hear it in her voice. Just over and over. And these memories are, are gifts that have been given us, and they're things that, that God, is the way God created us, right? He created our minds, that our lives are built upon. The people we are today are built upon those memories. Those are joyful memories that we need to remember and be thankful for and thank the lord for right gratitude's really good for us it 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 helps us um a friend of mine dr carl i call him he likes to be called doctor so he's a doctor he's a psychiatrist says it turns on or keeps on our relational circuits whenever we remember these things from the past it makes us easier to relate in the present to one another to god even even to a person you're angry or upset with you find out a friend of yours is really pushing your buttons, just remember back to a time of something that you're grateful for, a memory with them. It turns on your relational circuits and makes you able to be more hospitable and loving towards them, even if you're angry at the same time. Right? Gratitude improves our mood. It, it, makes, it, it improves our satisfaction in life. It makes us less materialistic, less likely to experience burnout. We actually become better physically because of it. We sleep better. We have less fatigue. Um, we even have, they even have proven lower le- levels of cellular inflammation, right? It improves relationships or makes us better friends, coworkers, spouses, lovers, right? Um, it, it, it reduces stress, improves self-esteem. It really helps us become more resilient. Right? And it's not, it's scriptural too. Right? Give thanks to the Lord. Right? There's plenty of examples of times when we're told to be thankful. And there's ways that we can do it that aren't just, just saying words, but actually remembering, putting ourselves back in those. And those are what's good for us because that, that's how our mind works and that improves our, our perspective, or we might say it makes our heart feel better. Right? Um, I mentioned this a few months ago. Uh, last year in COVID, um, a friend of mine who wor- works for InterVarsity was in a really dark place. I remember talking with her and just, I didn't know her. You've experienced that before, right? Someone's in such a dark place that you don't know them anymore, and she wouldn't talk to me. she want to open up. She was, she was angry. She was hurt. She was upset. She had a lot of good reasons for that, and I just said, I said, you know, I, I let her go and I blessed her. Six months later, I talked to her again. She was back to her old self. The joyful person, um, and I noticed the difference. And I asked her, her name's Kathy. Kathy, what happened? 
I know I said, Kathy, I, you know, six months ago I, that, I, that you weren't yourself right anymore. You were acting differently. What happened? She said, yeah, I'm, it's not like I've, I've addressed all of those issues, but she said, I started this practice. I started spending a couple minutes every day being thankful. I just wrote down three things that I was thankful for. And, and she said, as she practiced gratitude every day and thought about those things she, would, she was thankful for, she started to experience joy in her life. And it changed her perspective. Right? It opened her up to relationship. She was able to talk more about the things that were bothering her and the things she was struggling with. And she was able to return to the person that she had been uh, and, and was becoming. Um, so sometimes when you do an exercise like this, it goes beyond. You, you can even ask, like, you may, you may think that these memories come up by chance, but often they're related to things in our life and God has a purpose in them. So I'm going to take you step two in this process. Close your eyes again. This time, think back on that memory that you came up with. And as you're in that memory, I want you to ask God the question like, Lord, what do you have for me in this memory today? Why did you bring this up? What's behind it? Just take a minute to listen. See if the Lord says anything. When you're done, you can open your eyes. I, I need to be careful about rushing ahead at times like this because I'm a, I, things come to me quickly when I do these kinds of exercises because I have a lot of experience in them. And it's not always easy for people. They, it's that some people come to me and say, you needed to give me more time. It takes me longer to think of a memory or to hear from God. So if you didn't hear anything in that short amount of time, I, I encourage you to, to ask that, the Lord that question again. If you didn't even have a gratitude memory, I encourage you to spend a little time later today and thinking about one. But as I was thinking about my own, you know, my memory of Adele, I asked the Lord what he had for me. And, and he said, there were two things that I had for you. He didn't say them quite like that. He said, the first one was, was um, Adele's in a season of life where she's starting to walk again, but in a different way. She's starting to walk in, on her own, right? She's taking those steps into adulthood. And, and, you know, sometimes I'm afraid for her that it's not going to work out. I'm not going to get, and I'm not going to get to see it or be a part of it, right? I don't, these aren't rational fears. I admit that it's going to happen. Um, but they're real, right? And I think the Lord was assuring me, look, I, I knew your heart's desire then. I gave you that gift. Don't worry about this. I've got it, right? And I can, I can, you can, I can trust the Lord, and I can trust Adele in this season. Uh, as hard as it is for me, you know, sometimes I want her to walk on her own. Sometimes I'd rather she didn't, right? <laughs> want her to stay. Just This is good. We'll just keep it, keep it as this. I like this. I like spending time with her, right? Being her dad. 
Um, and I know that won't change, but you know, there, are, I, there are times I think, well, what would it be like when she leaves home for good? Those are realities, right? Um, the other part was um, about the church and my fear that we won't take the next steps into where God is leading us, that it'll be too hard, right? And that it will fail. And my, my, fear, my fear that I won't get to see it for, an, for a different reason. And I think the Lord was speaking to me that as well, saying, you can trust me, Peter. It's not about you, right? It's not on me or the elders, um, or even on all of us, it's on God and what he wants to do in us together. Um, and I, I think that as I thought about those things, as I reflect looking at, at us and looking at you and looking at Adele and at her, I, what do I experience? I experience joy. That joy of like, the joy of knowing that I'm with someone who wants to be with me, right? And we, we, we enjoy each other's company. We love one another. Um, and I, if you had the chance to read the chapter, some of this stuff is in it already. I'll just repeat it again. But joy is really important for us in our relationship with God and each other. It's kind of like a, it's a necessary um, part of good relationship. It means the relationship is healthy and good, right? Um, and and it, it's, it's like he called it the, the fuel for our brains. It helps us grow and to move forward. Um, a couple of cool things about joy. You, you, some of you know this. It's not. It's not just. Ba- it's not based on circumstances or situations, but it's based on relationship. So even if things are going really poorly, you can still experience joy because of who you're with, because of your relationship with them. Um, it's a special emotion that can exist with other emotions that may seem opposite, like grief and sadness, for instance. And yet, you can still be filled with joy. I think the best example I can think of that is. Um, well, well, we'll ask you this question. What events in our lives filled, are filled with joy or joyful? Just throw, throw out a couple. What events? Weddings, birth, yep. Holidays? Yeah, you know, bumping it. You ever go somewhere and you suddenly see a friend you haven't seen in years? That's fun. That's exactly right, right? Or even just planning to meet them and meeting them somewhere. Anything else? House groups, yeah. Meet, being being regularly meeting with friends. Just being here, being at church, right? Being able to see people you know. It could be a new job. It can even be retirement, right? Even those things are just experiences in our life. What about funerals? Now, we don't think about funerals often because, you know, not all funerals are like this, but the funeral of, of a saint, of a person who knew Jesus, and regardless of when they died, whether it was young or old, who lived a good life, can be a mix, right, of both extreme sorrow and extreme joy. If you've seen someone suffer with an illness and they've gotten to the other end and they fought the battle well, even if they didn't survive or weren't healed, there can still be joy in knowing where they're going and the fact that their, their suffering has ended, right? And in the life that they lived and the memories that we've had with them in the past. But I was thinking of... Um, my father-in-law's funeral, you know, filled with all of these old friends and family members, some we haven't seen in years. You know, both a sad thing to come around, the loss of, of Al, but at the same time, joy being able to remember together, like, what's your favorite memory about Al, right? What, what transformed, um, what about him transformed you or touched your life? What gives you joy when you think about it? 
such a cool thing about joy. Joy is, joy is found in our relationship with others. And if you read the chapter again, he, he says it's when you, it's joy is seen in the eyes of someone else when they look at you um, and you know they want to be with you. And it's a part of how God created us. He created our minds. That's a, that's a part of we, we, we can become a, a, attached to someone based on those things. It's one of those things that builds attachment. I was talking with Adele about this. You know, when you start to, to get to know a, a guy, in her case, who you're like, ooh, there's something going on here, right? There's an atta- there's some, as you're forming attachment, there's some joy in being with that person. Just like when Lori and I were dating, and just want to be with that person when you can when you see them when you're with them it brings joy and that's kind of brain chemistry and how god made us and helps us to grow and change i wanted to look at psalm 16 because psalm 16 actually has this in it it's pretty cool so if you have a if you have um, your phone you can open up the bible um i'm gonna look primarily at uh niv but, uh, but I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this. I want us to look at this together. I'm get, we're going to read it in NIV, and then we're going to read it um, in the message, which is a little bit of a tweak on that. I wanted a, a Lori to read this. In fact, I'll just, why don't you come up and I'll, you, you can just use my headset here. Psalm 16, starting with verse 5. Lord, you alone are my portion and my cup. You make my lot secure. The boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Surely I have a delightful inheritance. I will praise the Lord who counsels me. Even at night, my heart instructs me. I keep my eyes always on the Lord. With him at my right hand, I will not be shaken. Therefore, my heart is glad and my tongue rejoices. My body also will rest secure because you will not abandon me to the realm of the dead, nor will you let your faithful one see decay. You make known to me the path of life. You fill me with joy in your presence, with eternal pleasures at your right hand. Right, and then the and then um, the message version. I'll read that. It's not going to be up on. I wanted to point out something in this. So here's how the message puts it: My choice is you, God, first and only. And now I find I'm your choice. You set me up with a house and a yard, and then you made me your heir. The wise counsel God gives when I'm awake is confirmed by my sleeping heart. Day and night I stick with. I'll stick with God. I've got a good thing going and I'm not letting go. I'm happy from the inside out and from the outside in. I'm firmly formed. You canceled my ticket to hell. That's not my destination. Now you've got my feet on the life path, all radiant from your sh- the shining of your face. Ever since you took my hand, I'm on the right way. So, get talk with someone as you look at this passage where do you see david's joy in the lord go ahead talk with some people sitting around you where do you see david's joy in the lord
Okay, let's bring it back together. Yeah. As you're reflecting on that passage, any thoughts, whether you want to answer my question or just share something else? And I, we don't have the, the, uh, the wireless mic, so I'll just repeat what you say. All right. Anybody? Anything deep and profound? Doug, you were talking. I heard you saying something. Did you want to share that with us? Right. Yeah, it it is easy to enjoy God when things are going well, right? Yeah, yeah, and this is this probably is before Bathsheba, and things start to fall apart, right? <laughs> things are going great. Good. Um, go ahead, Linda. Yeah, so it's easy to enjoy God when things are good, but you value him more when things are hard. You, you, you recognize how much you need him, right? Yeah, that's good. Go ahead. Say that again. Yeah. yeah, he does. David is confident and happy in this. That's good. Thank you. Yeah, there's a childlike trust in David towards the Lord in this passage. Alex? Loretta? Yeah. 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 Yeah, yeah, so Loretta is just um, sharing about how she just lost her son. So over the holidays, he died from a heart attack. Um, and how she's grieving, but at the same time, she's able to experience joy being with us together. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you do. You even though it's not in there, you as you read through this passage, don't you feel David's gratitude for the Lord and their relationship? Good. Andy? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's not. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. David, David, David is. I mean, Andrew's saying David is is a you know almost he's not being explicit, but he almost is, and sharing the, and sharing the fact of how thankful he is and how good he he's got he's gotten it. Right, but there are other perspectives. Not everybody has the same advantages that David had. Not everybody gets to be named king, 
and give, be given a kingdom, right? Anointed as the chosen one of God. Although we all are, it's another way to look at it. And today, that's a change. Um, uh, and uh, some things aren't always as good as they seem, right? Right. Right. Yeah, and David does, right? So um, Doug said David himself has, has psalms where, where things are very different, right? He's looking at things from a very different perspective. Other things have happened that aren't as positive, or even, you know, before and after this, those are, there are those kinds of psalms. You know, kill my enemies, Lord, right? Deliver me from these people, or God forgive me for, how, for all the mistakes that I've made and the ways that I failed you, yeah. Yeah, right? Psalms do, they mix up the two, right? Despair and joy, like Loretta's experiencing right now, to be able to experience both, because, both because, uh, because joy is something that can, that can exist, because it's about the relationship. You know, the interesting thing about this passage, and you'll, you'll, you'll see it if you read the book, um, it, it points this out, when, it, when in the verse it says, um, um, and this is in the NIV, right? The NIV said, um, at the last verse in 11, you make known to me the path of life, right? Which is a relationship with him. And you will fill me with joy in your presence, right? That's what it says. The actual Hebrew is in your face is joy. So what it's saying, again, it's pointing out this thing that the author tries to point out, which I think is important is that is that it's, again, and it says this in here, but in a different way. It's in my relationship with you. It's when we're together, that's where I experience joy. It's not just in what you give me and what you provide because it's in your presence. Even, even David says it earlier, if you look at this, he says uh, in five, he says, you alone are my portion in my cup. That's a, my relationship with you. You make my lot secure, right? When he talks about the boundary lines falling for me in pleasant places, it refers to inheritance and it, can't, it could mean the fact that he gets made king, but it could also mean the inheritance of being your child, right? Being in your family, being chosen by you. And I think that's most, most people who interpret this interpret it in that direction. And, and, uh, and then in eight, it says, I will keep my eyes always on the Lord. And we often think about that as, I, as I'm looking to God. But in this case, I, you can also think of it as, no, it's different when you're actually looking at, into the face of God himself. And you see him looking back at you. And what do you see in his eyes? You see love. You see acceptance, right? You see everything that you need that's saying to you, um, you know, I am your hope, right? I am your salvation. I am your father. And nothing will ever change or take that away. And it's in that, like when I look at Adele, when I'm not angry with her, which doesn't happen much, um, (laughs) that she recognizes the fact that I'm for her. I, I told her this this week. I, she was, she's making some big decisions in her life. When I said, you know, whatever you make, she had two decisions. I'm for you. I'll, I'll support you in this, right? And I think she, she knows that. I think this, for David as well, he knew that God was guiding him. God was counseling him. God was providing for him. Um, God, God was, was stand by him. God was protecting him. God would provide life for him. But even more, he was with him, you know? He was with him, and Dave, David knew that. Some of the exercises that we do, like the one I did with you, we can go a step, a third step, 
We won't do that for time's sake, but where you ask God, where were you in that memory? When I'm with Adele and Lori and those people and she's, we're, in a, we're standing in a circle and Adele's in the middle and she takes those steps uh, before me, uh, Jesus is kneeling on the ground in front of Adele and calling her to himself. You know, you can see, you can ask the Lord, where are you? And then you see him in the, in the, in the presence. I'm, I, I've told you this already. I'm in this, this uh, special thing where every day we're supposed to take some time to retreat with God. It goes throughout this year. It's an Ignatian model practice, which is really cool. Um, and uh, I, you know, uh, one of the ones for this week was to imagine yourself um, in, the, in with Jesus when he's being tempted in the desert. And, and the person, the spiritual director, also my supervisor, which is kind of weird, but she said, I want you this time, I want you to pretend you're the one being tempted, right? Instead of seeing Jesus there. So I'm, I'm doing this exercise. I'm in the desert. Um, I'm trying to imagine what it's like having fasted for 40 days, being hungry, you know, getting to the point where my body's like, that's about as much as you can go, right? Before your body's like, that's it, we're done. And you're starting to get desperate for food. Um, and... Uh, and the Satan comes and he starts offering me these things, you know. Oh, here, here, I, I'm going to give you security, right? Just turn this loaf in the bread. Here, I'm going to give you approval, you know, cast yourself down, watch how they gather around you, right? Or here, I'm going to give you power and control so you never have to worry again or put yourself under someone else's rule, right? And I, I'll be honest with you, I fail at every single one of those. But, but Jesus, what I recognized too was, when, when Jesus is there with me, it's different, right? Like I'm looking to him like, God, help me, I can't do this, right? And he's like, it's okay, I've got you, right? And he's standing beside me uh, in the midst of that. And that, and, and that becomes more and more true because even though they don't talk about it, the purpose of this group I'm a part of is to attach more fully to Jesus, to bind, my, to bind myself more fully to him, to know, to know him better, just as he knows me, right? Like in any relationship, attachment grows as you deepen your relationship with that person, as you come to know them more. And, and this is what we were created for, right? Because what you want in attachment is, in attachment is a loving, secure relationship with another. Um, and in this case, with God. And that's what we're created for. It's how God made us. It's how our brains work, right? It's how we, it's how we grow. It's how we build. It's why... It's foolish to think we could do it on our own. And even more, it's, it's why we as, we as a church and a body are called to live this life um, together, to be a body and not be separate, separate pieces, but to work together in order to, to fulfill God's call. For all of us, right? We all are to attach to each other. We all are to attach to Jesus. Not his power, not his gifts, not his truth alone, but to him in a relationship with him. Um, and, and as we do that, what do we experience? Joy. That's the idea. Even if it's hard, we can experience joy. Um, right? Even if things don't go the way we want them to, even if things drag on for five years, like they have with the building project, right? We can experience joy in our relationship with each other and with Jesus. You know, um, uh, last week in my talk, uh, I alluded, I talked a little bit about some of my discouragement and seeing a lot of people that I had known, some students that I'd worked with, as they de- deconstructed Christianity, through, they lost, Jesus went with it as well. But I get it. I understand even more. This book helps me get it. Why? Because 
because we form our, com- our identity in community. We don't form it on our own. We, we form our identity in community, and, and, and as, we, as we grow, as we, as we move, as we look around, we, we begin to see the, the community, and we, have to, we ask the question, is this a community I want to be a part of? And, and when we decide sometimes the community isn't what we want, and we choose another one, if that community doesn't accept Jesus or see him the way we do, sometimes Jesus goes as well, right? And I'm not blaming it on them. I'm, I'm saying I'm blaming it on us. I, I, I'll go on into more detail. I, uh, I, I expect that many have, have not attached to Jesus um, because the community they're a part of doesn't know what that means and doesn't do it themselves. They're attached to other things, right? We, they built their community around other things. Identities based on what they're against, like tribalism. We won't talk about that, but that's what it is, right? They look at other things. They go, well, we're not like that. That's, some churches do that, right? And other churches base their identity around things that are really more cultural than they are Christian. Look at our awesome worship, right? Look at, our, look at the healing we're seeing happen. Or more, look at this amazing preacher that we have. Now, I'm not saying any of those things are wrong. They're all good. But if they become what you build your identity around as a church, that's idolatry. It has nothing to do with the kingdom of God. And I, this generation that's really beat up, they see that. They see us focusing on these things and ignoring the things that are important, like issues of justice for the poor or the oppressed, right? Or loving our neighbor, right? And, and instead of living out both well, like we need to both express the gospel in words, but in our deeds as well, in our life with one another. And they see these, I would say, in some cases, hypocrisy or unbiblical choices that we, again, we means the larger evangelical church, not just us, right? have bought into and believe and, and follow through with that aren't Christian. I'm not talking politics here. I'm just talking about living life, right, and what we choose. That's why, you know, um, I'm not against good worship. I love good worship, right? I like to listen to it, but it, doesn't, it isn't what makes church. I'm not against powerful, dynamic preachers. I mean, some people are amazing teachers like Tim Mackey in the Bible Project. I listen to his stuff. It's absolutely incredible. I love to listen to it, but that's not church, Right? Yes, churches are about, it's about, uh, about learning God's word, but it's about growing together in love. It's about becoming one. It's about becoming Christ to the world around us. And so a lot of this, even what we do on a Sunday morning, is more cultural than it is like biblical. It's not wrong, right? But it's not necessarily like what we would say we have to do this in order to be Christian. We don't have to meet like this in order to be Christian. We choose to do it. It fits our culture in some ways. Does that make sense? And when we, and when we, um, we choose to do things like, like um, not love people who are different than we are, be afraid of them and not welcome them like we would with joy one another, we have a problem. Right? When we choose not to love our enemy, we have a problem. Right? When we condemn people, we have a problem as a church. And I think I would say that's probably the bigger reason we're seeing a lot of young people go, I want nothing to do with Jesus because of the poor testimony we have because we really are meant to be Jesus to the world. And yeah, they won't ever like attach to Jesus if they can't attach to us and they won't attach to us. Again, this is the bigger picture. If we're, if we're unloving or we're focused together on building an identity around something that's not really Christian. Uh, we could talk more about this if you want to. I just wanted to say that there are, there are four things, four main ideas in this book, and we'll be talking about these more as the week goes, the weeks go on. This month we're focused on joy, and joy is, joy is the foundation, right, for a relationship. 
I, I mean, you have a relationship with people that you, you, you've, uh, you just enjoy being with. And sometimes it's not easy, right? Sometimes you, you recognize you have to practice that, um, uh, that thing where we just did it, right? Where you have to think back on good memories about the person in order to be with them in the present. I can think of someone uh, like that, that uh, I had some runs it, run-ins in the past, and I just got to the point where I realized the, those things don't matter. I should remember who this person is. Loved by God, right? A child precious to him. Uh, my, you know, my sibling in Christ. And because of that, I, I, need to, I need to love that person regardless of our differences. You know, Dr. Lehman says, again, my friend says, you know, when, and I said this earlier, when you practice these practices of, of, um, of gratitude, it turns on your relational circuits and makes it easier to get along with people you dislike, right? And you can say that. Sometimes we just dislike each other and that's okay. Because what needs to be behind it is the experience of joy being with them and the, and the, and the, and the remembrance of who they are. There's more about that. So the second thing is, has said love. We're going to be talking about that next month. This is, this is more like agape in action. That's how I would call it, agape in action. The love of God in action. It's about how God shows his love to us. Loving kindness, right? Or the steadfast love of God is probably the words that we're all familiar with. Um, and, and this is what we're called to be as a group because that's what attaches us to each other and makes that, that firm bond. It's an ongoing thing we need to keep doing. Loving one another, right? And so the attachments stay strong. That's how our brain works. That helps us to stay connected to the people. The third thing was group identity. This is the idea that our brains are made, like I said, to, to relate to and find attachment in community, not alone. We find, attach, we find attachment in those communities and our identity gets formed around the communities that we're a part of. We've talked about this in the past. We, why, do we, why do we care so much about who our kids hang out with? Because we know their identity is going to get formed by that particular group. And the same is true for us as adults, right? So we want to we become a group or we want to say we are a group or we're becoming a group that we want to be a part of. That's why we started talking about this idea of being a group that's focused around what we're about now than, rather than what we're against, right? So a couple of things we've been saying, like we are a people who see what God is building in others and call it out. We are a people who spontaneously love our enemies and return blessing for cursings. There's more that we could come up with. That's the third thing. And that'll be happening in a few months. Um, and then uh, the fourth thing is healthy, healthy correction. And this is what it means to speak out the truth in love and how our brains are created. Um, and again, you know, I, I can't say if it's the like left side, right side. Those details are unimportant. The brain's so much more complex than that, right? Um, but the, but, the, but the truth is that some things matter um, for us. And in terms of correction, sometimes it's helpful, and this is hard to hear, for us to experience shame over what we've done. You know, shaming a person is different than a person experiencing shame for doing something that is unhelpful to the community, right? Shaming a person, we don't want to condemn a person. We don't want to be destructive towards them. And we'll, we'll talk more about this as well. Um, about why this is important. But again, it's built around this idea of where is we want to create a community that not only is, is built based on joy, that loves one another, that has a solid identity that people want to be a part of, but, but also is willing to be honest with one another and say, you know, hey, I, I don't, this isn't who you are. What's going on, right? And allow God to bring those changes um, in that person's life through it. We'll talk more about this as we go on. 
Um, but as we move forward in this new season, we, we, we do need to have stronger bonds based not on what a great church we are or great programs or dynamic teachers or fantastic children's programs. And I'm not saying we don't have those, right? At times we do. But these aren't church. What is church? But relationship, right? With one another and being the body of Christ. So this is things we need to grow in as we move forward. Anyway, let me pray. And then I don't know if I have any announcements, but we'll see. So, Lord, um, thank you for uh, the fact that we can experience joy in your presence um, together. And thank you for the fact that we can experience joy together and love one another. Help us, um, Lord, to grow in these things, to appreciate each other more, um, and uh, um, to experience the, the joy that you promised um, and is real. Um, yeah, Lord, be with us. Help us in this season, we pray. And we, again, just pray for those that are sick. God, that you would be with them, that you would heal them and bless them in Jesus' name. Amen.